Hi, I'm Rick Atkins, pastor here at CFCC. Welcome. We hope you enjoy this sermon and that God uses it to grow you in your relationship with Him. Before we get started, our goal is not to replace your investment in a local church with online content. We were made for community. We want to encourage you to engage in a local church with your gifts. See, when the people of God invest in the community of God, they experience the transformative power of God. And that is our hope and prayer for you. Again, thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the sermon. Wow. Man, amen. Amen. Hey, thank you all. Thank you for being here today. Please have a seat. So, so glad to see you. I want to start with a question this morning. Why? Why is greatness so rare? Well, because it's so daggum hard. It's just so hard, right? I mean, it takes an incredible amount of work day after day after day. It requires a mindset that makes us want to keep improving daily. It takes consistency, it takes obedience, it takes discipline, and it takes extreme effort. It means that you and I must be willing to be different than about 99% of the rest of the world. You see, greatness is so rare because our world has settled for average. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for the day. Thank you for, for all you do and all you are, God. And Lord, as we look today at a tough topic, as we look at your expectations for marriage, God, may we realize that there are no quick fixes, there are no shortcuts, and it's an ongoing journey, God, that will require all the attributes we just discussed, along with an ever-growing relationship for you. Lord God, may your desire become our desire. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, guys, I, I got to tell you something. When I look out and see this for the first time being up here, it feels like there's 2,000 seats out there. Man, it is so exciting. Thank you. There's just an energy, right? There's just a spirit that, that, that comes about when, when, you know, God's people fill the room and when they're engaged and when they're ready to grow. Amen. So, so, so cool. And guys, I'm going to need that this morning. Because being the oldest staff member means that I have been married the longest, which meant that somehow I'm the one that got to preach the, the message on submission today. <laughs> so I need all your help because eventually I got to go home. So, so, uh, so thank you for that. But before we get into the text, what I really want to do is, you know, there is a, a big disparity here between what Peter's telling the wives and, the, and what he's telling the men. But there is a, a couple of reasons, and, and I want to talk about those, okay? The first thing I, I would say is this, with the God being our creator, knowing us as men and knowing the attention that we require and the help that we need, he probably realized that ladies needed a whole lot more instruction. So, so that's my first one. That's the best I can do, ladies, so stay with me. And then the second one is this. The second one is definitely this. And I think it still applies today, but it's so much so uh, more when, when Peter was speaking during this period that he wrote this letter. You see, truthfully, the wife's position was so much harder than the, than the man's. 
the wife's position was so much harder than the husband. Because if a husband became a, a Christ follower, because he had total control of the entire family, you see, when that happened, his family would automatically, his wife and his children would automatically go into the church with him. But if, if a, a wife decides that she was going to accept Christ as her Savior and her husband was not a believer, there were huge problems. This was a sign of disrespect in many ways. Demanding her rights as a free woman in Christ could endanger her marriage and even her right to her kids. You have to remember at this time in the world, women had no rights, right? They, they were looked at as a thing, unfortunately, where their husband owned them like a sheep or a goat. And, and on no account could she leave her husband, but her husband could leave her anytime he wanted to for any reason. In the Greek culture, the duty of the wife was simply to obey her husband. A, a good wife was someone who remained inside, who would see, ask, and hear as little as possible. And then in the Roman culture, the, the wife was thought of very, in, in a very similar way. They went from being completely controlled by their father to completely controlled by their husband. They, uh, they were not allowed to drink wine at all. And if they were caught in the act of adultery, they could be killed without a trial. They could even be dismissed from their family if they didn't wear the exact right head covering when they went outside. So I want you to think about that. And I want you to understand the courage, the courage that it took for a lady at this time to accept Jesus Christ as her Savior and Lord, especially, especially if her husband was not a believer. Again, it could cost her her, her marriage, it could cost her her family, and even her life. And, and I think sometimes today, I think that we take for granted the most incredible gift ever given to this world. Because we don't always face those same obstacles. So, so as we get into the text today, I, I'm hopefully, uh, I hope you understand uh, a little bit more as to why Peter may have divided up the verses the way he did. And so if you have your Bibles or devices with you, I'd, I'd ask you please open those. We're going to be looking at 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. And then what we see here, it, it, starts, it starts very uh, differently because uh, 1 Peter opens up with this. Wives in the very same way. Kind of peculiar, right? In the very same way. And, and, and what Peter is saying there to them, he's saying, hey, he's going back to his letter uh, from the beginning parts where he was telling the, the citizens that they had to um, obey and be submissive to the government, Right? And he was telling workers how they needed to be submissive to their bosses. And he's saying, in this same way, wives, you are to submit to your husbands, even if they are not believers. What we see in all three of these scenarios, and it's important not just for wives and husbands, but for everybody in here today. Because what we see is that as Christians, you and I are to present ourselves to a watching world as people who will emulate or pattern their life after the example of Jesus Christ. All right, so verses one, two, three, 1 through 2 says this. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see their purity 
and reverence of your life. And there's that little cuss word again that we've been looking at for the last three weeks. Submission. Right? But I want you to see it in a different light. Because what Peter is saying here, he's simply saying, he's saying, hey wives, I'm instructing you to live the way that God's called you to live. Regardless of whether your husband is a believer or not. You see, at this time, questions were being asked to Peter about whether a wife should stay with her husband if he's not a believer. And Peter says, no, you got to stay. you got to stay and you got to live in a way that makes them want what you have. And you gotta, you got to do that, not because you have to, because you want to, because of the desire in your heart to be more Christ-like and also with the hope of leading your husband to Christ. And guys, I realize for, for many ladies in here, you, you know, you, your first thought is, so hang on, Mark. Let me make sure I understand you right. You're telling me that I'm to love and honor and respect my husband even if he doesn't do the same for me? No, 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 I'm not. I'm not telling you that at all. God is. God is. And he's using Peter to do it. I'm simply the messenger. You see... We don't follow Jesus because each issue he teaches makes sense to us. That's not why we follow him. We follow him because he's our Lord, our God, and our Savior, and his word is sovereign. That's why we follow him. But before we get into the act of submission, I want to, I want to, I want to talk about a couple of things because I think it's very important because there is a warped sense in some people's minds of what submission looks like. And so I want to talk about what it doesn't look like, okay? And, and, and what it does not mean is that if your husband asks you to sin, you should do so. It does not mean that. It does not mean that you should, should uh, never disagree with him or present a different view. It, it does not mean that um, if your husband asks you to abandon your faith in Christ that you do that. No, God always comes first. And it does not mean that, that if he is unfaithful to you that you are left with no biblical recourse. And it does not mean that if he abuses you physically or constantly verbally, that you must remain quietly in the home. I, I just want you to know that. And I want you to know that if, if, if someone's in that situation and you need to get help from, from a trusted friend or a counselor, I want you to know that, that that will allow you to think clearly about your situation. That that's not only honorable and appropriate and wise, but it's biblical. It's biblical. But now, what is Peter saying? What he's saying is that as a Christian wife, you're to live in a way that represents Jesus with a sacrificial love, with a hope that your husband will, will desire to do the same. Because here's what we do know. We know that a changed life, we know that a changed life that has joy and peace in it, regardless of whatever is going on, regardless of the circumstances that you face, it's not only rare, but it's contagious. Because here's what the world says. The world says this. The world says, I will do this for you if you do this for me. Right? I'll do this if you do that. But you got to understand, that's not submission. That's not love. That's a deal. That's a deal. And then God is saying this. Remember, you're not just submitting to your husband. You're submitting to me. Let me, let me give you a, a, a personal example of this. I, I was not a, a great student in school. I know that's shocking to many of you. 
but, but I was not a great student. And, and as soon as I got out of college and I got a job, the last thing I wanted to do was go back to school. The last thing. And my wife knew this. But you see, the way that she approached me, honestly, was so respectful and so loving that, that it had a huge impact on me being able to go back and get my master's. Because here's what she did, guys. She, she didn't complain. She didn't pout. She didn't uh, get on me about not wanting to go back. She didn't call me lazy or unmotivated, even though I was. She didn't do that. She said something that made me mad because it, 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 I, there's nothing else I could do. She said this. She said, Mark, I, I just want you to, to know this. And she said, I, I, I think that you have some gifts and talents that will never be maximized unless you go back and get your master's. And she said, I think that'd be a shame, and I want the best for you. <laughs> how do you get away from that? You know, how do you say anything to that? Because with her encouragement, I, 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 without that, I probably wouldn't have done it. Because the truth is, man, I'm, I'm not supposed to say this, but I was scared. You see, I was, I was afraid of failing in front of my children and my wife. But to get that kind of encouragement, to get that kind of hope and that kind of insight... It, 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 just, it just lifted me up. And uh, Mary Beth, I'm grateful for that. Thank you. I, I'm hoping that you understand something that we talk about in our family a lot is this. It's not what you say always, but how you say it. Right? It's not what you say, but how you say it. And ladies, this morning, I'm hoping that I can get you to think of submission in a little different way. I'm hoping that you can, can think about what you do all the time, right? You do this all the time for your children. You do this all the time for your children. You love them, you take care of them, and you honor them, even if they're brats. Even if they, they don't know, you know, they don't respond back. You do that. Why? Because you know that they're learning and they're growing, right? Well, newsflash, so are we, okay? So are husbands, and God's word tells us this, that we are to honor our spouse even above our children. So if you will do it for your children, have some grace and some love for your spouse. I, I just hope that's a different way to look at it. Then verses 3 through 4 says this. It says, your beauty should not come from outward adornment such as an elaborate hairstyle and the wearing of gold, jewelry, or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Now, again, we have to go back to the time of which Peter was saying this, because in the world of the Greeks and the Romans, so much attention was given to a lady's personal adornment. Her hair had to be waxed or dyed, and there were wigs available of every color, Purple was the color of all clothes of, of royalty and wealth. And pearls were the jewels of choice. Ladies spent all of their time trying to be beautiful. And then they had to try to remain that way. And what Peter was saying to them is, there's so much more to you than that. There's so much more to you than just that. You see, he was not telling Christian wives not to take care of themselves. That's not it. What he was saying was that, that for you to be the complete 
package, the amazing package that God called you to be, you have to have this inner beauty. You have to have this internal beauty. And, and, and I think Peter was asking, and we should ask today, which one do you spend more time on? Which is more important to you? Because, yes, external beauty, it is loved by our world still today, right? But what you have to understand is it's always fading and it's always temporary. That's just the way it is. But you see, internal beauty, not only is it eternal, but it is attractive to our God. It is attractive to our God. And so the question is, who do we want to please? And then he talks about this gentle and quiet spirit. You know, I think, you know, we've all met that person who's kind of quiet, doesn't say a lot, but in a soft voice. But when they say something, you catch yourself leaning in, right? Because you know that some wisdom's coming. It's kind of like that old E.F. Hutton commercial. And, and, and that's what God's saying because you have to understand, in the world, the world's telling our wives to be loud and proud. The world's telling them, don't let anyone tell you what to do. Stand up for yourself and speak out. And I agree. I understand that. I do. I get it. But you can do that in a different way, right? You can do it in a different way because God's word is saying, hey, ladies, I need you to be under control. I need you to be under control because your husband and your family, they need your steadiness. Not only that, but I need you to be gentle in the way you keep the family moving in the right direction because we all know who's making that happen. And also by doing this, you are that Christ example that people need to see. In case you haven't figured it out yet, this world's ways and God's ways are totally opposite. And the one you and I listen to most is the one that will mold and shape our lives. He then finishes in, in verse 4 saying this. He's talking about that gentle, quiet spirit, that it's of great worth in God's sight. Okay, that gentle and quiet spirit is of great worth to God. Now, ladies, you need to understand, this will never put you on the red carpet. It will never do that. And the world may not approve of the way you live. But think about the inner peace that comes when you know that you are doing things God's way and you are precious in his sight. Imagine knowing that God Almighty is pleased with you. That's so amazing. Verse 5 through 6 says this, For in this way, the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their husbands like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. You see, Sarah was a great example because she chose to go against what the world was saying. She chose to be the wife that God had called her to be. She showed Abraham respect in her words and her work, and she did it without fear. Gosh, she didn't, she didn't lash out or rebel or abandon Abraham. She simply stayed there and gave him the attention, the love, and the honor that was due to him as a husband. And ladies, I know some of you are much smarter, and you've read ahead, and you're way ahead of me, and you're looking at me going, Mark, if my husband was in the Bible and he was known as the father of faith, I'd probably be submissive too. <laughs> All right, well, I got an answer for you this morning. 
I got an answer for you. So listen to this. Listen to some of the challenges that Sarah had to go through with Abraham, right? The first one is this. Her husband claims to have a vision from God instructing them to move away to a strange land late, late, late in their life. She had to pick up and move and leave everyone she knew and go. I think today the answer would be, yeah, I'll show you a vision, right? Or, or, or think about this. He convinced his own wife, Sarah. Listen to this now. He convinced her to pretend to be his sister while they were in Egypt. Not only that, but the Pharaoh temporarily took Sarah as his wife. You want me to do what? Would that not be a, a decent response, right? She also followed her husband's lead in giving Lot the choice land. You remember when they, they came to the, to the crossroads and there was this, there's two sides and, and, and you know, Abraham said, hey, you know, which one do you want? And Lot selfishly took the good one and Abraham and his wife said, okay. You want me to do what? You want me to give up the, all the good land? You just made me move, you made me leave, and now you made me your sister and now I can't even have the good land. But it even gets worse because Sarah had to endure the near sacrifice of her only son, Isaac, because Abraham claimed that God was instructing him to do this. This one could get worse. It would be like, no, and this gun says you're not going to do it. You see, we, we, we think that it's so easy for other people. It's not because greatness never is. She had amazing challenges like any marriage that she had to face. And, and I'm sure there were times of failure, but here's what I want you to know. All through her marriage, by the strength of God, she remained faithful to Abraham and pleasing to God. And, and ladies, that's a life that is well lived. That is a life that is well lived. I don't care what the world tells you. There's an inner peace there that the world can never give. All right, I'm done with you. All right, now let's flip the coin. Now let's flip the coin and let's see what Peter is telling husbands. So men, pay attention. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. You want to talk about being counterculture? You want to talk about something crazy? Remember, at this time, women had no rights. And Peter comes up and he tells men, he says, hey, first of all, you're the lover. Then you're, you're supposed to respect her and take care of her. And he says, then, guess what? Spiritually, she's on the same thing, same plane as you. She's equal with you. Guys, this was unheard of. This was unheard of. You see, it was Christianity that introduced mutual care and consideration into the relationship between men and women. So many times we say, well, it's, it's, you know, you look at these people and they talk about submitting and all this. It was God that introduced all this for women. And, and so I hope we know that and we can see that. And then we get that verse again, in the same way. You know, that's how he starts with the men too, in the same way. Saying in the same way she submits to you, there are times when you have got to submit to her. 
Three things that we're told that the husbands are to do. The first is this. We are to live with our wives. We are to live with our wives. Peter puts the responsibility on the husbands for the couple's togetherness. This means making her a priority, which means, guys, outside of God, she's next. Outside of God, she's next. We're to give them the time that that is needed to create a relationship that continues to grow. Because what you have to remember and understand is she gave up her family name to carry yours. And men, God calls us to give up our very life, if need be, to protect her. The second thing that we see is that we are to know our wives, men. We are to know our wives. This speaks of a deep understanding of who she is and what she needs. We're to know her fears and comfort her. We're to know her dreams and help her accomplish them. And we're to, know that no, we're to let her know that no matter what life brings, that we're with her, we're in this together, and we'll do it with God's strength. That's what we're to do. And then the third thing is this, and we don't do this well, men. We are to honor her. We are to honor her. Now, this means letting children, extended family, and or friends know that she is priceless and she comes first. Let me say that again. This is to let children, extended family, and friends know that she is honored in our household and she comes first. She's more important to us than fame, money, or anything else this life can give us. Peter then describes her as the weaker partner. And I know that this makes the hair stand up. But what he's speaking of here is simply her physical strength, right? He's not saying anything about her intellectually, morally, or spiritually because we've already talked about those things and we're equal. But guys, our job is to recognize this and to do the things that require this kind of strength for her. Because I'm going to tell you, if any of you have ever gone into a delivery room with your wife, you know that stamina and courage was not one of the things that he's talking about here. Incredible. Incredible. You know what's crazy, men? We will honor somebody we barely know more than our own wife. Maybe they're popular or famous or, or maybe they're somebody we want to be and we find ourselves honoring them more than the lady that gives, gives everything she has to make our family work every day. We do that. Not only is it crazy, but it's wrong. If you go back sometime, go back and look in Proverbs 31 and talk and look about what God talks about a godly woman. But one of the statements he makes there is he says, she's more precious than rubies, and we need to treat them that way. She is more precious than rubies. And then he finishes with this. He says, so that nothing will hinder their prayers. So as a couple, what Peter's saying is if we do not fulfill these obligations, that there can be a barrier between our prayers and God. And and I think the, the word there is implying that the couples are to be praying together. And men, you know what? I was reading in the commentary, and it said that this is a bit, one of the biggest fears of men, is praying with our spouse and our family. I, I, I have a hard time understanding that because we are called to be the spiritual leader. 
We are called to be the spiritual leader, and if we don't set the example, who will? Who else would you rather pray with and share your dreams and desires with other than God and your spouse? We need this happening in our families. We need husbands and wives praying and playing, praying together. We need it. Now, we opened up today. We opened up talking about the rarity of greatness. And, and we lifted, listed some, you know, some, and we listed some reasons why, right? But we did say one thing. We said that it boils down to that sometimes it's just too hard. It's that simple. It's just too hard. And, and I think it's no different in our marriages today. I, I see one of two things happening in our world. And, and, and this is not biblical, so this is not from the book of Mark. This is from the mouth of Mark, okay? So I need you to understand that. I want to be careful. But here's what I see, is that when things get tough, when things get hard, when they're just not working, divorce is way too easy. It's an option that is way too easy, and it's killing our marriages. The second thing I see is this. Like the world, many Christians are settling for an average marriage. And what that means is, is that you have a roommate instead of a soulmate. You have a roommate instead of a soulmate. You see, God's description of marriage is an intimate relationship between one man and one woman through love, sacrifice, and trust. That allows them to become one. That's what God's after. A relationship dedicated to doing things God's, God's way instead of the world's way. And a relationship where each partner makes the other one better. And here's my prayer today. My prayer is that you believe that that's not only attainable, but my prayer is that it's something you're willing to do, whatever is necessary, to reach for greatness in your marriage. So it's a simple question. Are you willing... Or is it just too hard? Are you willing or is it just too hard? This morning, I'm asking you as a couple, will you turn over your marriage to God? Will you turn it to God and will you strive for greatness together? And for some of you, I'm asking this. We may need you to be the lone warrior. Whether you're the husband with a, a wife that is not a believer or a wife that is a husband not a believer, please know this. This church will pray for you, will love you, and you keep going until they see it in you and they want it. That's my prayer. That's my prayer for you. Because you have to understand this, church. Even with God in it, there are still days that is hard. There are still days that it is so hard. But you see, getting through that is what greatness requires. Because on the other side is where you find joy. Too many people are stuck in the middle and they never get through it to see what the other side has. Submission is not a cuss word. It's a voluntary commitment to do things God's way in all aspects of our lives. That's what it is. And so for those of you who are married, I want to ask you one more time. Do you want a roommate or do you want a soulmate? 
because the choice is really yours. And you know that, that you know our, our deal here. You know that the band's going to come out, the worship team's going to come out, and they're going to play a song. Here's what I'm asking you. Do business with God. Do you understand how bad our world needs great godly marriages? The next generation needs to see that this is attainable, and they need to see that it's so much better than what the world offers. And if we don't show it to them, who will? And so I'm asking you, I'm asking you, when they, as, they, as they come out, I'm asking you just to do business with God. If you want to do that here at the altar, do that. If you want to do it in your chair, do that. But don't leave here today accepting a marriage of average. That's not what God designed. That's not what God wants for you. Let me pray. God, we thank you for today. Oh, God, Lord, we thank you for your love, your joy. We thank you, God, for, for, for setting us up for success. If only we'll do it your way. And God, we pray today, we pray for the strength, that the energy that only you can give when it gets hard, God. And we pray that, that, that we want to work through it together to get to the other side. May Carolina Forest Church be an example of godly marriages to this community and eventually to this world. What an incredible thing that would be. God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.